Praise the Lord. It's a great thought, thinking about the blood applied. You know, Jesus shed his blood for the sins of the whole world. But all the people in the world won't be saved unless they, by faith, apply the blood. In the Old Testament, they took the blood of the Passover lamb and applied it to the doorpost over their homes. And when the death angel passed through Egypt, wherever he saw the blood applied, their firstborn were saved because he saw the blood. So if you're here today and you've never applied the blood, the blood's been shed for us and we rejoice in that today. But you must personally apply by faith what Christ has done for us. Good to see you today. We're going to look in our Bibles at this time in the Gospel of Mark. If you would be turning to Mark chapter 16. By the way, thank you for whoever put the beautiful flower up here on the pulpit. It's not an Easter lily. It's a dandelion. But it's the thought that counts, right? <laughs> whoever, thank you. Sure good to see you, good to have guests today, people from the community. We have family with us uh, from various parts of the country, from North Carolina and from uh, Colorado, and so we're rejoicing to have family with us today, and I know others of you are as well. Mark chapter 16, we've been on a journey in our church on Sunday mornings through the gospel of Mark just taking partial chapters, portions of scripture, thoughts, and we've been on that journey for over two years, and we're just, I'm delighted that our journey has brought us to the place we are here today, which is talking about the resurrection of Christ, very fitting for the day. We're going to read a few verses, and we're going to begin um, in verse Nine And as is our custom, if you're able to stand for the reading of the Word of God, we do that in our church, just sort of a way of just honoring God's Word. And we'll read this passage and pray. Mark chapter 16 and verse 9. The Word of God says, Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. They did not believe. This was too good to be true. Verse 12 says, After that he appeared in another form, unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. They went and told those that were in Jerusalem, neither believed they them. Two different people who had seen Jesus, two different groups of people, first Mary Magdalene, then these two who were on the road to Emmaus, both these people, these groups, came and told the disciples, those who knew Jesus the best, and these disciples did not believe either one of them. You know, I'm very thankful today that I was raised in a home 
where my mother took us to church and we heard the gospel and and there I cannot I can never remember a time in my life that I did not believe in God. I wasn't saved, but I believed in God. I believed there was a God. I believed that God existed. I, I can never remember a time in my life when I did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And it's because I was raised, I think, in that atmosphere. But there are a growing number of people who find this hard to believe and find it sort of foreign. To, and it is, it is a mystery, as we heard a moment ago as we sang about that. There are people who doubt the goodness of God and the meaning of the sacrifice of Christ. But what we see in our text is there were people who were close to Jesus who had a hard time wrapping their minds around the fact that Jesus really was alive. And I want to speak a little bit this morning on this subject, dispelling doubt about the resurrection. We don't have to doubt it. We shouldn't doubt it. And there's much evidence to anchor our faith in today. Let's pray as we get into the scripture. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless, we pray, as we study it together. Help us with open minds, attentive minds, and open hearts to receive with meekness your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. For the people in our text, this was, we would call it, having a hard time believing the unbelievable. Now, we have to remember uh, there was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of suspicion. There was even a lot of conspiracy. We heard some about that in Sunday school this morning associated with the resurrection. But it was not, it was not um, hidden that Jesus was going to go to the cross and die and raise on the third day. Jesus told his disciples that repeatedly. We've covered this numerous times in the Gospel of Mark. He had told them in no uncertain terms, this is what's going to happen. I'm paraphrasing. This is what's going to happen. We're going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of wicked men. They're going to, they're going to torture me. They're going to crucify me. And on the third day, I will raise from the dead. People knew that. Matter of fact, even the Roman soldiers knew that. Uh, hold your finger here if you would and mark where we're at and turn with me please to the Gospel of Matthew just to the next book to the left and in Matthew 27 Matthew writes about this and I want to read just a few verses uh, just to confirm what we're talking about here. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 61. It's talking about how Jesus has been buried and uh, it says in verse 61, there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. So Jesus has been buried. These women are sitting nearby. Now look in verse 62. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, Sir, we remembered that the deceiver said, they're talking about Jesus now. Sir, we remember that the deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. 
So the last error, if they steal him from the grave, if he is reported to have been raised from the dead, the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. A watch would be like a security detail. Roman soldiers. Now, these people, the chief priests, it says there in verse 62, and the Pharisees, they approached the governor, Pontius Pilate, with this, with this desire, with this request. We want to make sure that the tomb is sealed. We don't want anybody to come and steal the body. Now, they didn't believe he was going to raise from the dead, but they knew he had claimed that he was going to raise from the dead. And so they wanted to make sure that did not happen. And so they took really extreme measures to make sure that no one could steal his body. And they secured the tomb, first of all. They made sure that the, the stone was there. They sealed the tomb, which someone would not be able to break the seal of the tomb. And then they stationed soldiers around the clock to guard the tomb to keep the disciples out. Little did they know that the disciples were hiding in fear themselves. They, were, they weren't anywhere around. But the truth is, Jesus did indeed raise from the dead. And the stone was rolled away, not so much to let Jesus out, but to let them in, to see that he was no longer there. The Bible tells us, we're back in Mark 16, looking at this passage. The Bible tells us that the first person to see Jesus alive after he was crucified, was Mary Magdalene. I want to read it again in verse 9, Mark 16, 9. Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Now there's a lot that could be said about this today. I mean, first of all, Jesus could have appeared to anyone first. I'm thinking maybe he could have appeared to Mary, his mother, first. She was also there around the, the cross when he was crucified. Maybe he could have appeared to Simon Peter, kind of the leader among the twelve. Maybe he could have appeared first to John, the beloved, who rested his head on Jesus' breast. He was so closely identified with Jesus. But no, he appeared first. Not by accident, I think by design. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, a woman who before she met Jesus was possessed with seven devils, a woman living a life of bondage and sin until Jesus healed her and saved her. Uh, we're going to look at another passage now. We're going to come back to Mark, so keep your place there. But go now to the Gospel of John. John talks about this in his writing, John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and in this passage, in verse 2, it tells us that Mary ran to inform Peter and John. It says, we're in verse 2 of John 20, Then she runneth and com cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. She went and told the disciples that she had seen him, that he had been raised, or that, that, not, that he had been raised from the dead. She had seen, got this message from the angels, which, which she's conveying at that time. And then look a little further in John chapter 
20, if you would. And it tells us in verse 11, well, let's go to verse 10. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. So she goes and tells the disciples, the tomb is empty. They come to the tomb, John and Peter, they come to the tomb. They find it empty. Verse 10 says, then they went back home. They went their own way. Now verse 11, but Mary, Mary Magdalene stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, into the tomb. And seeth two angels in white sitting, the one on the head, at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not what they, where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples she had seen the Lord and they had spoken these things unto her. Why Mary? And the answer, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you my best guess. Why would Jesus himself, after raising from the dead, first make himself known to her? And I think it was because of the obvious love that he has for her. The obvious she had for him and for her, him for her, the de devotion she had. She was one of the very few, we talked about this last week, who was there when Jesus was crucified. She was the one who followed Jesus to the tomb as he was being, his body was being carried by Joseph of Arimathea. She was the one who came to the grave before daybreak on the first day of the week, early in the morning, to see his body. She's the one when Peter and John went back home, stayed and lingered by the grave weeping and mourning and missing the Lord Jesus. I think that's why he made himself known to her first. I'm reminded often of this passage, and I'm reminded of it today, that God is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. She goes then and tells the disciples, we're back in Mark chapter 16, she goes then and tells the disciples that they, she's seen the Lord and verse 11 says, And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had, had been seen of her, believed not. They doubted her word. Now, if Mary was the only one that had seen him, then people might doubt. They might wonder. Well, maybe she's just wanting to see him so bad. Maybe she just had a dream or a vision or a hallucination. But Mary was not the only one that saw Jesus after he raised from the dead. Matthew chapter 28 says that after he made himself known to Mary, he made himself known 
to the other women who had come to that garden where his body had been laid. Luke 24 says, then he made himself known to Simon Peter alone, a private meeting with Simon Peter. 1 Corinthians 15 also records that meeting that Jesus had with Peter after he had raised from the dead. Back to our text here in Mark chapter 16. I read it a moment ago, but in verse 12 and 13, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. It doesn't tell us here, but they were going to their home, which is a place called Emmaus. It was about eight miles from Jerusalem. These two disciples, these two followers of Christ, if you, and we're not going to turn to it today for time's sake, but in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, it tells us that they were dejected. And Jesus came along beside them and began to walk with them without disclosing his identity. He had the ability to do that, just like Mary thought he was a gardener. And he comes alongside them, begins to walk with them and talk with them. And he says, why? Why are you so sad? And they had this lengthy conversation with Jesus. And when they saw that it was Jesus, when these two men saw that it was Jesus, Luke records, and it also says here in verse 13, they went and told it to the resident. They left where they, they went home to Emmaus. Think about this. They walked to Emmaus. Luke 24 says when they got there, it was getting to be the end of the day. It was getting dark. But when they, heard, when they discovered their eyes were open, they saw that it was Jesus. They walked back to Jerusalem eight hours or eight miles at dark because they wanted to tell the disciples, do you never guess what happened? We saw Jesus. And how did the disciples receive it? Verse 13 says, And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. They're having a hard time wrapping their mind around what they're hearing. But over and over, Jesus made himself known to those who knew him the best. In John chapter 20, it tells us that on the evening of this same day, the day he raised from the dead, the first day of the week, he went to where the disciples were meeting in fear and hiding in the upper room. And he made himself known to them. All of them were there except for uh, Thomas, the doubter. Thomas wasn't there at the time. And, but Jesus made himself known to those disciples. And, um, and then when they told Thomas, you'll never, you'll never guess what, who showed up while you were gone. And they told him that Jesus, and Thomas didn't believe it. Thomas doubted it. A week later from that day, a full week later, the next Sunday, even, the next Sunday evening, Jesus showed up to all the disciples, including Thomas. In John chapter 21, Jesus appeared to disciples, a group of them, most of them, on a fishing expedition. They were on the Sea of Galilee. And as they were fishing, Jesus was on the sea shore there by the Sea of Galilee and when they finished up their fishing that day Jesus had a meal prepared for them. All these different occasions people saw Jesus after he would raise from the dead. We heard about this again in Sunday school this morning but on one occasion Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 15 on one occasion more than 500 people saw Jesus at one time. That's a lot of people, isn't it? And there's an interesting detail in Paul's writing in 
1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read this as a quote. He said this about those 500. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present. He said there are 500 people saw Jesus alive and Paul says just in case you want to go talk to them, almost all of those people are still available and are still alive. Jesus made himself known to many people. You know, liberals and skeptics want to find anything more believable than the truth and the Bible. Some have gone so far as to say that of those 500, that all of them had a similar hallucination. A hallucination is where you're imagining something and seeing something that seems real, but it's really not real. 500 of them. Someone made this comment about that theory. It'd be, it would take more faith to believe that 500 people had seen the same hallucination than to believe that Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus did raise from the dead. And many people saw him. Uh, in Luke's writing in the book of Acts, he said this about Jesus. He lived after his passion, after he died and raised. He lived for 40 days on the earth. And here's a quote from that. And showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. For 40 days after Jesus raised from the dead. He performed many miracles. For 40 days, people saw him, worshipped him, heard him, touched him. Jesus was indeed alive. This is, you know, people want to think like or act like, well, it's just one person or two people, and you can't really verify it. You could not pull this off, no matter how, how much you tried what Jesus did. Jesus raised from the dead. And one might ask, well, why make such a big deal out of it? Because the significance of his resurrection could not be overstated. We heard in Sunday school hour today how the preaching of the book of Acts, New Testament preaching, included not just the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ. A lot of people have died for a cause, but no one ever died for a cause and then raised from the dead. Jesus Christ did. The resurrection proves that Jesus is the very Son of God. Romans 1 says He is declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. You know, if Jesus would have lived a good life and then Jesus even been killed for something that He did not do, then that would be one thing. But Jesus repeatedly told people what he was going to do. I'm going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of wicked men. And they're going to torture me and kill me. But three days later, I will raise from the dead. So Jesus was either a liar or, a, or a, some kind of a con man or he, if he was telling the truth, he would have to raise from the dead to prove that what he was saying was true. And the reality is, and this is so simple, and yet I think so significant, is that the resurrection proves that everything Jesus said about himself or anything else is true. He made some outlandish, outstanding 
statements. He said, for instance, that he came from heaven. He didn't come from here. He was born of a virgin, but he came from heaven. He came to be, he claimed to be co-equal and co-eternal with God. He claimed to be the creator of everything that is. Jesus said a lot of things. He claimed to be the promised Messiah to the Jewish nation. He claimed to be the only way to heaven, not a way, the only way to heaven. He came to be the giver of eternal life. He claimed to be the one to be the lamb that would be slain and would give his life as a sacrifice. But you know what? Everything that Jesus said about himself is true. And his resurrection should dispel any doubt about anything that Jesus said. The resurrection confirms the completeness of God's provision for our sin in the sacrifice of his son. No doubt there were people there at the cross when Jesus, the Bible says, cried out loud, it is finished, and then gave up the ghost. No doubt there were people that wondered, what does he mean it was finished? What does it mean he was finished? It means that everything that he came to do was complete. And what did he come to do? He came to Pay the way, pay the price for sinners to be saved. The resurrection confirms the completeness of his sacrifice. 1 John 3 says he was manifested to take away our sins. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? He came to take away our sins. He came to die for our sins. He came to pay the price with his own blood for our sins. And when he cried, it is finished. We talked about this the other day. The veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. Signifying that now we can go directly to God through Jesus Christ. Not because we go up to God, but because God came down to man. The resurrection provides the only genuine promise and hope of eternal life. The only Genuine hope of going to heaven when you die. The only genuine hope of forgiveness of sin is in Jesus Christ because he died for our sins and then he raised on the third day for our justification. He conquered death. Imagine that. We heard about that in song today. He conquered death at the graveside of a dear friend of Jesus. It's recorded in John's gospel that Jesus went there. Lazarus had died. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus was talking to one of the sisters, talking to Martha about her deceased brother. And Jesus made this great statement. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Then he goes on to say, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You say, do you really believe that? Absolutely I believe that. By the way, the only time you can believe in him is when you're alive. 
He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You say, but preacher, I know people that were saved or they were Christians. They believed in Jesus Christ. And I, I know this personally. I, you know, I, I know they died. I happen to have had the opportunity to be at the, gray, at the bedside of both of my grandmothers when they died. Both of them were Christians. Both of them loved the Lord, served the Lord, went to church. I sat in church service many times with my grandparents. You say, well, how can you say then that they would never die? Because just because their body, just because their body died doesn't mean that person died. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said it. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Based on what the Bible says, I know that as soon as my grandmothers breathed their last breath, as soon as their heart beat for the last time, they went into the presence of the Lord to spend an eternity. You say, how do you have that assurance? Because the grave is empty. Because Jesus conquered death. Because Jesus raised from the dead. And he said, everyone that lives and believes in me shall never die. Isn't that a great promise? You know, if someone said that and then couldn't conquer death for themselves, we might question that. We'd have reason to question that. But the one that said... We do not even have to die spiritually. We immediately go to heaven. A Christian, when they, when they end their life, when they come to the end of their journey, their body obviously is dead, but their spirit lives forever. We know it's true because Jesus conquered death. Now I'm going to ask you something today. First of all, if you're sitting here today and you're hearing this, you ought to be asking yourself, have I believed on Jesus for my salvation? Have I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Like I said, I was raised in a home where I always believed in God. I never remember a time in my life that I didn't believe that God existed, but that doesn't mean I was a Christian. I always believed in Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. I always believed that Jesus raised from the dead, but that doesn't, I wasn't saved because I never personally applied that to my life. I never personally, as an individual, come to God and said, God, I know that you've provided for my salvation, but I, I need to receive that. I want to receive you by faith. I want to put my faith in you. I had not done that. And when, Let me tell you, if you're here today and you say, well, I don't know that I've ever done that either, well, today, you ought to do that. Today, you can do that. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. You don't have to join a church to go to heaven. You, you can't be saved because you do good works. We're saved because Jesus paid for our salvation. And he died on the cross and he raised from the dead. And we, by faith, receive him. And when we receive him, we are eternally saved because it is finished. Because he paid the complete price. Now, if you're here today and you say, well, I don't know that I've ever done that. I don't know that I've ever personally done that. Then today, I urge you, by faith, 
to receive Christ as your Savior. You say, well, there's got to be more to it than that. No, it's not. That's all there is to it because he paid the price. We need to get out of our heads that somehow we've got to do good things or make promises to God. I'm for living a good life. I think we ought to go to church. I think we ought to get baptized after we're saved. I think we ought to love the Lord. But none of those things will make you a Christian. We must personally, by faith, receive him. Have you ever done that? There may be people here today say, you know, I know I grew up in church and I made a profession of faith. I was even baptized, but I don't really know that it changed my life. As the Sunday school lesson today, you, don't, you can't really say Jesus is precious to me. I agree wholeheartedly with the presentation today in Sunday school because when a person knows that someone paid the debt for them, for their sin, and somebody knows that they can go to heaven because someone else bled and suffered and died for them, that person is precious to them. And if you can't say that today, you could receive Christ. You could receive him right where you are. You may need to say, well, I need somebody to help me with this. I want to do it, but I'm not sure how to do it. We're here to do that. We're here to help you. In just a few moments, I'm going to be standing here at the front and People are going to be praying and all of us are going to have our heads bowed. And if you're here today and you say, that's what, that's what I want. That's what I need. I need to know I'm going to heaven. I want to make sure, I want to make sure Jesus is in my life. Then you could just come to me or you could come to me after services and just say, would you talk with me about this? I want to know more about this. This is not an exaggeration. There is no more important decision you will ever consider or make than the decision to believe on Jesus Christ for your salvation. It matters in life. It matters in eternity. And if you're here today and you say, well, preacher, I know that I'm, I'm saved, but I still have fears about dying and concerns about things I've done in the past and does God really forgive them? I'm telling you, the death of Christ was so complete and the resurrection itself confirms that the sacrifice of Christ covered everything we've ever done in our life. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. We boast not our, of ourselves, but we, our boast is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads together if we could today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you just, in the quietness of this moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, man, I need, I need a Savior, I need the Lord, maybe God's really working in your heart today. We're here to help you. If you need help, we're here to help you. If you're sitting right there where you are, if you're sincere and you, you know that God has shown you in your heart that you need salvation, that Jesus paid for your salvation right where you are, you can trust Christ. But I would urge you to tell somebody about it. Come and tell me about it or tell someone about it. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to have some music playing softly as it is now. If you'd like to come and say, Preacher, could someone just help me for a few minutes? I, I know 
I know that I need this. I hope you'll come. Our Father, as we pray today, we thank you for the power of the resurrection. We thank you for the promise of eternal life that's afforded, given, assured to everyone who believes on Jesus Christ for salvation. And Father, as we bow before you in prayer today, I pray that you'd be working in all of our hearts. God, thank you for what it means. The sacrifice of your son, the empty tomb, what it means in our life. 